1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and they are better than ever, with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horror's past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page, especially in the upcoming issue. I wrote a little tribute to the Night Flyer for Ooh. my fellow Night Flyer fans out there. Yeah. Uh, so head on over to Fangoria.com to learn more and to subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KINGCAST. Save 25% off your yearly subscription. Now let's get on with that show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. The ice is gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fingoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. Folks, I am pleased to report that we've got what promises to be a very entertaining episode on deck for you today. Our guest is a stand-up comedian, internet superstar, and newly minted actor whose work you may have seen at Sundance this past January in Randall Park's shortcomings, or even more recently in Elizabeth Banks' Cocaine Bear, which just landed in theaters last weekend and seems to be delighting just about everyone who sees it. He's here today to talk to us about, uh, well... We just did an episode on the girl who loved Tom Gordon, which means we were fresh out of bear-related Stephen <laughs> King titles uh, to discuss. We so also instead... just covered Maximum Overdrive, which was the cocaine part of it. So. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so instead, we've invited our guests to knock out the latest entry in our long-running series of episodes covering the Children of the Corn franchise. This time, it's 1998's Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage, Mr. Scott Cease. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, oh, I'm thank you so much for being here. I have seen your face on my computer screen about a bazillion times <laughs> right. in the last couple of years. For anyone who might be listening that uh, isn't immediately familiar with your name, you are the guy that does the uh, angry retail worker videos, right. I guess. That's like, right. Do you have I'm a, a less key guy? Yeah, the Ikea guy. That's mm. that's way less clunky. I should have gone with that <laughs> in the first place. And yeah. uh, now you're in now you're in fucking Cocaine Bear, a, a movie that is, dare I say, taking over the national mm. consciousness. Um, oh, my God. It's kind of exciting you... because this is like, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you have Cocaine Bear, that like peak of cinema. And on mm -hmm. the other end, you have Children of the Corn Five, Fields of Terror. So it's going to be fun. The previous yeah. peak of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> the dead, the dead a lot one. of people thought it was Goodfellas and they were just fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> so how did you end up in Cocaine Bear? Like, tell us about that. Did oh, my God. Well, yeah, this it's honestly Elizabeth Banks and, and Max, her uh, husband and producing partner, liked my TikToks. They, they, they thought they were funny and they were like, you know, this guy should be in mortal danger as soon as possible <laughs> they were like we need to we need to you know destroy this man um so kind of an insane story i didn't have any representation or anything right i just had just made these ikea videos they were going super viral and the casting director's assistant sent me a message on facebook about the movie and it went like directly to my spam folder on facebook i know <laughs> connection to this person at all and so i didn't see it for like a week and then i just decided i'm like no i need to check every message that's coming in and i saw like in all caps cocaine bear um and i thought well that's definitely like spam that's in the right folder that no need to look at that uh, but, I, but i opened it and it said like you know elizabeth banks uh, lord and miller and i thought oh my god please tell me i didn't miss this and i you know messaged her right away back and, and she was like yeah well let, let us know like who your agent is and we'll uh set up an audition and I said, I, I don't have an agent. So I just sent my Gmail address and I was like, <laughs> so I was like, here, can you just email me the script to my, to my Gmail account? And, uh, by the time they got around to casting my part, uh, I had had an agent 
Um, so that all kind of worked out. But did the audition like a month and a half later, heard I got the part. It was insane. Never thought in a million years I would get to do something like this. It's like my first, uh, you know, big acting job. Yeah, that's and crazy. It, I mean, it was fun as hell. to Dude, I'm fighting a bear. I'm basically, I'm doing, like, Leonardo DiCaprio did, like, The Revenant, like, 30 movies in. I did The Revenant in my first movie. Like, <laughs> oh, let's go. The Academy's got to uh, recognize that shit, okay? Mm-hmm. I was going to uh, say, that's instant Oscar territory. They may put you straight to EGOT, in fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I think so. status like that. Yeah, what's your album, <laughs> Cocaine Bear album, going to be like? Oh, it's going to be awful. But but I know a lot of the voters, so so I think I think I'm a shoo-in for the award. That'd be amazing. Just egot immediately. Um, yeah, man. But now I now I check every spam uh, email that I get because I think it's a movie, just to make yeah. sure. Now I'm, I'm sitting here wondering what the fuck is in my spam folder. It's probably a, it's probably like you've won the lottery and. Yeah. We want to give you a free house. And, it's just and Elizabeth Banks. Like, she was like, you, you were supposed to be one of Charlie's angels, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would have fit right in on that team, I yeah. think. You're going to be the new addition to Pitch Perfect uh, Universe. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I think people were perhaps a little unprepared for with Cocaine Bear is the level of gore in the movie. Yes. You know, uh, the you watch the trailer for it. And you could, if you wanted to, assume that it's rated R because of, you know, just the subject matter in general, you know, and that it's not a it, it that it's not so violent that it might end up in the pages of Fangoria magazine, our our parent company. Um, when you read the script, was it that gory? Yes, the script the script is pretty uh, descriptive about you know how how bloody. And, and gory everything gets, which I loved. I mean, I'm just, I'm a horror fan. My wife and I, we love watching horror movies. That's like something we bonded over when we first mm-hmm. started dating. And so I was like ecstatic that, you know, once they, once they said that they were going to start making like prosthetics of, of different, you know, pieces of me, I was like, let's go. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that in process or isn't that process like very time intensive? Like they've got to stick parts of your body in a mold and then you got to sit there and wait for it. And, not for me. Like, the way they did it for me, they honestly, it, it was just they took a few photos of uh, my arm, my specifically my arm, and then they were able to kind of like create something like whole cloth, like by themselves that just looked hmm. like my arm. Um, and then like attached it to me on the day. And uh, it was so, it was so funny walking around with this like fake, you know, kind of bloody arm because the makeup artist would come in and they'd be putting like, you know, blood or whatever on on the fake arm and they they would go like oh my god is this hurting you and and i'd say no no no, my, my real arm's down here like everyone thought it was my <laughs> real arm uh eric do you have any questions for uh for scott about cocaine bear um oh, so so many but i also don't want to ruin it for myself because at the recording the time of this recording i haven't seen it yet so i, oh, I no. have a million questions running through my brain but uh, I do know that you are in it with Margot Martindale and that you share scenes with mm-hmm. her. Yes. Which is also just this absolute bizarro fucking casting for this movie, which, well, is one of the, it's like Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and Margot Martindale and Ray Liotta. You know, it's like. All the big guns. Yeah, it's like, and then you have, you know, of course, you have, you know, it's a great cast, Carrie Russell, uh, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, you know, they're really good actors in it, but like the last people in the world, I would assume, to be in the movie would was, would be like Margot Martindale. Um, and it seems like, uh, based, because you've, you've posted a couple of like behind the scenes TikToks that I've seen uh, with her, she she seems to like really been along for the ride though, yeah? Oh my God, Mar- Margot, I mean, no spoilers, but Margot Martindale just crushes in this movie she is so funny um and she's just one of the nicest people ever she kind of like you know gave me a lot of advice and the, the first time i met her here's here's a story um so you could see like sort of in the trailer like my my character at, at one point is um running after the ambulance right and i have to like leap into the back of it um and we got and there's there an set. ambulance in real life happening right behind you so oh yeah oh yeah 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 this is the sequel. I'm filming the sequel right now. <laughs> you have a soundboard in front of you to, to highlight your story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll throw in a couple lasers and like toilet flushes too, if you guys don't mind. Oh, um, perfect. 
so the first the first day we got there, we, I had a stunt double, Adam, very very cool guy, very talented, and uh, he. So I was. They were like, we're gonna have him do like the jump into the ambulance, but we want you to watch it to see if uh, if you think you can do it. And I thought like he was going to be tied to some like mechanism or something mm-hmm. like reeling him in or, or whatever. No, this, this, like the ambulance takes <laughs> off and this guy just sprints after the, after a moving car, like a speeding car and dives into the back of it, like all on his own. And everyone turned around to me and was like, you cannot do that. And I said, no, you're goddamn right. I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything as cool as that. And so what they had me do was they had, they had a shot where Margo was in the ambulance it's the first time I've ever met her. Uh, and, you know, we're like, oh, you know, good to be working together. Like they load her in the back of the ambulance and all they're getting is a shot of me running across a flat piece of ground after the ambulance. And then they're, they like stitched together with him jumping. And so mm-hmm. they're like, Scott, all you have to do is just run sh- in a straight line, essentially. And I'm like, no problem. Mm-hmm. They call it action. <laughs> I take like three steps and immediately eat shit and like fall on my face, <laughs> like tumble across like the, like the turf. And, uh, but I think it made a good impression on Margo. Cause from that point on, she was like, all right, this guy like really commits. Like every, it was so <laughs> funny, dude. Like I hit the ground and Elizabeth Banks ran out and she was like, Jesus Christ. She was like, are you okay? And I stood up and, and I go like, I'm, I'm fine. And she goes, okay. That was fucking hilarious, and they, they were just trying to figure out if they could use it. It was it was hilarious, man. I'm putting it together like as as you're telling that story that I I, I like I was thinking I've met Margot Martindale. I met her on a, a set visit once, really? um, and I realized I also met Alden Ehrenreich on that same set visit. It was for a, a movie called um, Beautiful Creatures, and they were shooting in Louisiana. I was there covering it for some website or another. Um, and she was a fucking hoot, man, that she was like, like a particularly colorful Kathy Bates character come to life Mm. or something, you know, had all kinds of like funny sayings and shit and just had all of us dying, laughing, all the press that was there. She was, man, I, I really like that lady. She's, she's great. Just a real character. She, yeah, she's, she's one of the best. She's one of the best ever. I mean, when I, when I found out that that is who I was going to be in a scene with, um, and I mean, my other paramedic, Kai and Kim, like she's wonderful as well, but they were like, you both are going to act alongside Margaret Martindale. I almost like shit myself right there. You know, I was like, there's, I was like, this is my first film. I'm acting against possibly one of the, the best character actress to ever work in Hollywood. Like there's no way. Can I also really quickly compliment you on something you recently posted where you skewered the whole ending explained? Uh, phenomenon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and what I want to compliment you on isn't that you did it and that's a good joke because it is uh, uh, where you're doing the whole you don't have to see you know this wasn't set up in Eternals all you need to know are the words cocaine and bear and what they mean you're good to go uh, funny bit but the thing that was the cherry on top for me is I saw a site who I won't call out here but is very well known for just running clickbait bullshit all the time posting that as like oh oh what a great thing and i'm like you motherfuckers you know you do this shit every week and then here you are trying to go yeah this is a great skewering of of uh, internet culture which i'm like which you yourself do all the time so in a weird way it became this subversive <laughs> this is a subversive thing within the uh the industry that that wampler and i are, are very familiar with that is hilarious yeah the, the next day cocaine bear ending explained i'm like you guys just you missed the whole fucking point <laughs> They're absolutely going to do that. Someone is absolutely. I saw one the other day. Someone showed me a link to an article that was the ending of Jaws explained. Like, are you shitting me with this? The shark blew up and they swam away. That's how Jaws ended. Right. Like, like, what are we doing here? But I guess I guess the purpose of those articles is that some people just want spoilers, mm. you know? And so rather yeah. saying spoilers, this is how this movie ends. They, they couch it in explained like as you as though you might be so stupid that you could watch a movie like cocaine bear or jaws or fucking any of the bazillion movies they've done this with and come away confused and and sought 
sought further insight on the on the internet. It's uh it's um, I, love, I love the idea that we didn't get around to figuring out Jaws until like last week or something. <laughs> what is that yeah. deal? What, what's happening? I, I was tasked with writing one of those for Slash Film, and I my instant reaction was like, "Hey, do you want to tackle this?" I'm like, "Absolutely, fucking not." And I, the way I, I don't even here's the thing is the reason I've been quiet is I'm trying to remember what the fuck I was writing about. Uh, but the way that it was it was put to me was it's it's not about like trying to like explain an obvious thing. It's it's about like, you know, celebrating how well it was set up and how, you know, explain, you know, essentially like, oh, this is where the, you know, structurally where it's paying off X, Y, and Z and how it was layered in there. And I'm like, right. oh, so that's just a, you know, I'm reviewing the ending. I'm not explaining the ending. I'm just reviewing it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, like I can do that. And so obviously I did it and it made such an impression on me. I couldn't tell you what fucking movie I did it. For. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but like, uh, but the reason why I was so trepidatious about it is I've read those things where they do act like, and I'll always go back to this fucking examples. There was this huge uproar around apparently a whole generation, like just discovering that there's a shot in home alone where the fucking parents accidentally oh, the throw tickets. away the Kevin's plane tickets. And they're like, did you ever see this hidden Easter egg? It's like, it's just it's called movies it's it's in the movie it's a shot in the movie you know it's right. an insert like you know just because you were looking at your phone and you know every time you'd watched it you know recently until just this last time doesn't mean that it never was there you know it's an obvious shot it's not something That's in the funny. deep background it's an insert shot you know they show that for a reason so uh, most of my experience with those kind of things are, are like that did you know Macaulay Culkin was in Home Alone? <laughs> what? Nine, nine page article. Come on, surely not. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're excited for the success that you're having with uh, with this movie, Thank and you. it's just a really fucking cool thing to see someone who's just funny online, and then you get your own little Cinderella story. You end up with <laughs> Ray Liotta and Margot Martindale and a giant coke infused bear. That's right, um, man. In theaters, that's that's an incredible happenstance, and you know, congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you, thank you, guys. So, uh, I guess we should ask you, um, what is your what is your Stephen King origin story? When did he first pop up on your radar? Yes, so I don't, I'm not, not a Stephen King expert. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never been to Maine. I don't know anything about. (laughs) Yes, stories, but very cute. the, The um. What was it? Oh, my mom. My mom is a huge uh, Stephen King fan and has like a lot of his books. Um, and she kind of like introduced me to a lot of his stuff. I think the first thing I ever saw was probably the, the Green Mile, the movie. That's what it's called, right? Right on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, saw that. And then, you know, of course, saw like The Shining. It a lot of these like classic uh, King stories, like as, as films. Um, uh, my mom's favorite one was, was always a, Cujo that was the one that she mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. Um, and I read in high school I did read like some short like a book of his short stories mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. Um, and there was one that's always kind of stuck with me but I could I can't remember the title of it but it was about like rats it was essentially like a guy yeah, that's graveyard uh, shift oh yes I think that was it yes yeah. yes that is the uh that was like the um when I when I tried to like get into reading uh, his, his work that was what I started with um, and it was creepy as hell it was creepy as hell uh, so animals uh, fucking people up that's like a common theme throughout uh, <laughs> my my like what, what I read and then also what I act in you know yes. yeah why yeah. didn't we do fucking graveyard have you seen the movie no I haven't seen the movie no oh it's something I, re- it I something. read it years and years and years ago the movie features a cast of characters who are all doing just the most ridiculous main accents you've ever heard. Oh, really? You know, there's one guy who's like really fucking going for it in that movie. Mm. Um, really good creature work. And then you got Brad Dourif showing up for a few scenes as the like this sort of like embittered veteran exterminator who's like seen it all. And he's like t- he talks about shit like it's like Vietnam, you know, yeah. um, it is it is a that is a lot of fun that it's just a straight up creature feature. A lot of nineties cheese in there. I would recommend it if you, uh, nice. You enjoyed the the short story next time, next time. (laughs) Yes. 
I, I gather that you didn't can you, you didn't keep up with King after reading a bit of or reading that short story collection. No, no, no. So I mostly was, with the movies. Yeah, I just mostly stick with the movies. I, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't read a lot of like horror fiction. My my wife is actually in, like in the middle of reading Stephen King, so she just read The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you know, recommending it. I think I will probably give that a try, but never kept up with the books. But uh, I, I see a lot of a lot of the I've seen a lot of the movies. L- love yeah. horror movies, not no, not so much the uh, the horror books I haven't gotten into yet. Which is totally fair. I mean, my yeah. entrance point in the King, and I think Scott, you for the most part, you as well. Like we started as movie kids, and yeah, and I was that. You know, I watched Cujo, and the reason why I ended up picking up Cujo the book, which is my first King book that I read was because I'd seen the movie and I liked the movie and I figured, Hey, if I like the movie, uh, I can read this, you know, book with words that I might not understand, but I've seen the movie. So I know what the story is. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the movies are a, a big gateway into the world of King. And there are a lot of really amazing adaptations of, of his stuff that really capture his voice. So, you know, it's not a prerequisite to actually read King, which is kind of a, uh, to come on the show, uh, which is kind of a, a misunderstanding. And one, we almost ran into you, uh, with you actually, because yeah. we, cause we were, <laughs> we, true. we'd gone through, uh, the, you know, publicist circles and, and, uh, I, I guess somehow it got translated to you that you had to be a fucking super King nerd in order to come yes, to the show. And, and, King we just, and I was like, I can't quote it like scripture. It's like, no, you just need to like, if you like something that King is, has done that has been adapted or has been that you've read or that you've seen, that's all, that's really the only thing that you need, yeah. you know, uh, to come on the show. You know, this is, and also to just, be in Cocaine Bear. You have to it, be in Cocaine Bear as well. It's just confirmation that publicists are not reading the emails I send out. <laughs> they are just absolutely fucking not. Like, because there's a whole thing. Or something. Every single time I send one of those out, there's a little thing in there that's like, being a King expert is not a prerequisite to being on the show. It's very conversational. Like, literally, if your client can sit down and watch a Stephen King movie, that's all we need. Like, that's all you need to know. Um, well, we made but it. We made it here. We did through the magic of Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and unfortunately, we saddled you with Children of the Corn Part 5. <laughs> yes. My first Children of the Corn. My first oh, ever really? Children of the Corn. I really? cannot imagine that matters with this franchise. <laughs> um, uh, just to just to give you a little a little background to what you have now already seen, you know, <laughs> Right. Children of the Corn, it's a pretty sharp little short story. couple finds themselves in the town of Gatlin, Nebraska, and uh, there's a bunch of corn children running around. They're they're <laughs> worshiping this this god that he who live who he who walks behind the rose and uh, right. they've killed all the parents in the town. Right. Or all the adults. Well, then um, they just kept making these goddamn things. Mm-hmm. And when we started this show, I had only ever seen the first one and was like, I'm absolutely never watching any of those sequels. And then. Uh, then I saw I saw a thing on on like online somewhere and it was like a clip from Children of the Corn 2, wherein the uh, corn children have somehow hooked up a remote control to an old lady's wheelchair and po- pilot her at like terminal velocity through <laughs> the front wing- window of a bingo hall. And I could not stop laughing at this. Hell yeah. And was like, <laughs> I, OK, I've got to watch one of these. And then That's I had an a back in me level of, of oh, insanity. And- Absolutely. And so we watched that one and we had a lot of fun with it. And we're like, emboldened, we went on to three, not nearly as good. Um, uh, called and- Children of the Corn Urban Harvest, by yes. the way. This, this is where they leave the fields of Nebraska and go into Chicago, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And the city. Yeah. Where two of the corn boys get fostered, cared into <laughs> the the urban areas of Chicago, and uh, built start uh, planting corn in like a an abandoned lot in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, they moved the corn to Chicago. I was wondering yeah. if they were hanging out in like grocery stores or what. What, what that what, what that even yeah. meant? I think they, they literally popcorn. have like have a popcorn. suitcase full of corn, and they you plant. They do. <laughs> it's, it's, can't forget our magic corn. It's it, evil yeah. corn, and they have a corn Bible, and. Uh, 
And by the way, and I just want to reiterate, this is all based off of that one Stephen King short story that's like 20 some pages long yes. and it's gotten, you Genius. watch part five, there's still like fucking, I think 17 more of these fucking things. There, well, there's a the ridiculous thing. amount of corn movies. Like the, the essence of it works, which is kids are scary. Like that is all <laughs> you need. It's, it's like you can make 17 movies off the fact that just kids are creepy and weird. Right. I also think that there's – well, actually, I'm going to put a pin in that thought because uh, I'm going to bring it up in another context later. But, yeah, there's uh, – Eric is right. There are 700 of these of these movies at this point, all, all diminishing returns. There's a new one coming out in a couple of months. Who knows if that will be worth a shit. But um, oh, nice. Children of the Corn 5 is uh, most notable, I would say, for its cast, which is truly bananas. There are yep. some very familiar faces that show up here that you would be startled to see in all in one movie. Um, but before before we start picking it apart, Scott, would you would you mind um, laying out the, the the general plot of this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it? No problem. No problem. Um, <laughs> this, so okay, if I recall correctly. I believe the movie opens with a kid getting like infused with a shot of like magical corn electric energy. Mm -hmm. So he like stumbles upon like some sparkling corn in the, in the field. And then that shoots into his body and turns him evil. That's, that's, that was my read. Um, And you know this because he has a CGI uh, fire uh, imposed over his eyeballs. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The classic sign for evil. Yes. Yes. And then he kills uh, the like a nice like farming couple uh, mm-hmm. that live uh, in the in the house like near the corn or something. I I couldn't tell if it was that. I, I feel like it was like that guy's farm, and the kids were there, or if the guy was like intruding on their place. Anyway, I'm getting too far into it. <laughs> we we cut to it's a group of friends. Uh, no, actually, never mind. It's a couple leaving a trail of uh, blow up sex dolls for their friends mm-hmm. to follow. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Because they do. are on a trip to spread the ashes of one of their best friends who has passed away. Mm-hmm. Like you think it's going to be like a bachelor party or something, and you find out that uh, Ava <laughs> right. Mendez, Ava Mendez's boyfriend died, and also she doesn't give a shit about him or something. Ava Mendez is giving like <laughs> an insane performance in the in this movie, truly uh-huh. wild. Um, but anyway, they're off to spread their friend's ashes. They get to their car breaks down. Kids say, get the hell away from our corn. They say, that's fine. There's no mechanic in town that can help them. Uh, And then one of the other friends uh, starts to think that her brother might be in this town, which that came out of absolutely fucking nowhere. Yep. And guess Mm -hmm. what? She's right. Her brother is there and he has joined a cult and has started worshiping the man behind the rose. Uh, the friends break into the farmer's house and stay there for some reason. Then they meet the kids again, mm-hmm. trying to find the woman's brother. Uh, they find David Carradine <laughs> also giving an, an, a truly mesmerizing, mesmerizing performance. Um, they try to ask David Carradine to like free her brother. And then Derek, his head, uh, cracks open splits in two and like a little baby fist pops out of it and (laughs) and and then and then you know shit starts going awry the friends all start dying in various ways ava mendez literally joins the cult because she's just her character is such a mess that she ends up joining the cult and throwing herself down a silo uh into like a fire and then um how does the movie even end do they all make it out i forget they they somehow the the sister somehow uh, puts out the fire in the silo, which is some somehow the power source of the uh, the entity that yes. walks behind the rose. Yeah. Uh, so that that is the climactic ending where she fights a twelve year old boy on the top of a silo. Um, <laughs> he, he stabs her with a scythe, and then she stabs him back with the scythe and knocks him into the fire, and uh, then she puts it out by dropping a bag full of gasoline i think somehow no 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 no, no. that is fertilizer which fertilizer this, dro- was fertilizer. this drove yeah. me fucking bonkers watching the movie because like yeah. you'll recall that 
Timothy McVeigh once leveled a building <laughs> with some fertilizer, mm -hmm. right? And she dumps like all these sacks of of fertilizer into a roaring bonfire that, as far as we can tell, reaches all the way to the pits of hell. Yes. And right. the silo doesn't even explode. No, it doesn't. No. And I was like, why wouldn't fucking why wouldn't that be like just shrapnel over a three mile radius right now? Mm. It, it was like, I know it's stupid to expect any amount of like logic or, or reason from right. the fifth children of the corn movie. But like, my God, man, I think I think they probably just didn't have the the budget to blow that right. fucker up yeah yeah because that, that'd be like saying like oh you're looking for logic in a movie like this it's like yeah but i also expect a car not to fly you know it's like sure it's like it's, yeah. it's there, there's got to be some sort of rules of uh that on this earth you know <laughs> that we're watching i chalk uh, it, it up to magic corn that's why that's that's it all is i know magic corn it should be noted that there are uh two different zappas in this movie as well true uh <laughs> Uh, Diva Zappa and was it Ahmet Zappa. Mm -hmm. uh, Ahmet's the guy that's like uh, one of the couple at the beginning leaving the sex dolls. And then uh, Diva is, is legit look like somebody I went to fucking high school with. She's got that that like 90s kind of quasi Daria, you know, borderline gothy thing where she's got the little fucking uh, her hair and like little fucking tufts. I don't even know what you call that, but uh um, but she's like one of the evil corn kids. And by the way, we're, we're getting to the point in the corn kid uh, movies where they uh, this is the dimension era. So this feels like a dimension movie from the, the mid to late 90s. And, uh -huh. uh, uh, <laughs> but they, it's also low budget enough to where you can tell that they're like, well, we can't actually cast children in a children of the corn movie. Uh, as the the bulk of it so it's going to be teenagers of the corn with 20 somethings playing most of the kids and then we're going to get one one kid that that we can we can actually shoot with um because if we have more than that then you know our hours are going to be limited we don't have the budget to 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 shoot actual children in this in this that, thing so so that was almost one of my biggest yeah. questions throughout the whole movie i was like are these all kids because there seems to be one kid it, it like there's there's one main kid and then it's like, like the leader kid right yeah right and then and then everyone else is like really on the cusp of turning eighteen like everybody is about to jump into that fire like the next day <laughs> right and, and Mendez who's like you know twenty I think she's like twenty four at the time of making yeah. this or something like that she she joins the children of the corn and it's like you're a twenty four year old woman she joins <laughs> it just to throw herself into some fire immediately it's insane yeah. it's insane yeah and and the little kid the the little kid who's like the you know, he's sort of like second in command to David Carradine's character. He looks like he looks like the little kid from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Dewey. He looks yeah, like he fucking Dewey. But he's also like trying to be sinister, which is, let me tell you, a hell of a combination. Uh, <laughs> someone who looks like that trying to be scary. Uh, very funny. Deeply funny. Every time he appeared on screen, I thought. And my uh, another major question I had. Uh, about this you know while we're talking about like the the various ages of the the mm. corn children yeah okay so children of the corn historically takes place in gatlin nebraska or gatlin however however you want to say it this mm. this one does not it takes place in divinity falls which over the course of watching this movie and here i will point out that i was profoundly high when i watched this <laughs> um Good. i i took to in my my head canon was okay so this is like the town just next door to gatlin or something you know that's maybe that's why david carradine's compound for he who walks behind the rose is like way out on the edge of town maybe that's like on the border between the two mm. towns because that's the only explanation i could think of for why there were so many adults alive and well in divinity falls like a cornerstone of this series is that the 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 corn children just eradicate adults like that's their right. whole purpose. Oh, interesting. But there's like adults all over the fucking place in this thing. You know, for a second, I thought that there was going to be some sort of reveal because the sheriff in this movie it almost seems to be like facilitating like the killings. Like he's like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. investigate why everyone's been torn to pieces by these kids. I I really thought we were going to get a reveal that they, that he was like. I don't know that in on it that he was like one of these guys that's like it's actually just three kids standing on top of each other and in a sheriff <laughs> costume. 
<laughs> and they look uh, like Fred Williamson. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say, played by black exploitation legend Fred Williamson, by the way. So, yeah. Who, uh, right around this era, like, did From Dust Till Dawn. This is like a couple years after From Dust Till Dawn, and he was having yeah. resurgence. And he, I want to point out, there's a moment where he, he early on in the movie, when you in, are introduced to Fred Williamson, he does what he does in all of his movies. He lights up a cigar as the sheriff. Uh, and he's watching, he's watching them load the body parts of, uh, of, of people in. And he goes like, somebody brings him a foot and he says, that big toe matches the big toe of the, of the other big toe we found. <laughs> he has like this big serious push in moment where he's very deadly serious delivering a line about how, how these, uh, farmers toes are similar. So it must be from the same body. He's. He's staring at like a like a bulletin board, like he's like putting like red string between <laughs> pictures of big toes, like. Mm. Hey, everybody, Wampler here, and I am here to tell you about uh, this week's sponsor, our, our friends over at Lumi Labs, who are championing a little thing called microdosing. That's right, we're talking about taking a THC gummy throughout the day. That will keep you mellow, but not so impaired that you can't, say, host a podcast or do ad reads for that podcast. Mm. These Lumi gummies have been a godsend for both Vespi and I. Uh, He's got trouble sleeping in Lumi Labs. Gummies have been a big help towards getting him drift off at a reasonable hour. And on my end, well, I just enjoy the pleasant sensation of being a wee bit baked at any hour of the day. (laughs) So they're perfect for me as well. Mostly, though, Lumi Labs gummies are aimed at helping you to relax. And I promise you they work. The best part is uh, Lumi, Lumi's THC gummies are available nationwide and aren't affected by your state's marijuana laws because they are a synthetic THC strain. That's right, Texas. You can get them delivered straight to your door. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. And if you like what you see, you can use the code KINGCAST. Save 30% off your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's microdose.com, code KINGCAST. Well done, Scott. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now let's get back to that pleasant conversation, shall we? <laughs> I wonder if Tarantino has seen this movie. You know, you bring up the From Dust Till Dawn connection. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, you know, this was this movie happened between Dust Till Dawn and Kill Bill, I believe. Mm. And Warren Beatty was was uh Tarantino's first choice for Bill in the yeah. Kill Bill movies. And yeah, yeah. famously, that did not pan out. Uh, and he went with David Carradine. And I can't help but wonder if, like, maybe he had just worked with Fred Williamson. Fred's like, I got this new movie coming out. I think you're going to like it. It's about some <laughs> corn children. And he's like, I'll check that out. And then he sees David Carradine. Next thing you know, he's sucking in line for Kill Bill. <laughs> That's me making a lot of leaps. I, um, I, I choose to believe that. Um, yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think the reality is slightly different. I'm going to give you a little insight here. One of the early things that I did in Austin that like really shaped me as the movie geek that I am is I, I would attend these uh, Tarantino fests. So Quentin came into town and would show his 16 and 35 millimeter collection. Yeah. Uh, first at the Do- at the Dolby Theater uh, at, at UT uh, and then starting with the third time he did it. He did it at the original Draft House, Alamo Draft House downtown, mm-hmm. um, and there it became uh, a pretty regular thing that he would show something. Then every once in a while, somebody associated with something he would show uh, would come in uh, to get in the, to Tarantino's good graces, probably. Uh, and he showed <laughs> he he had a bunch of uh, episodes of Kung Fu on 16 and he had one of the nights that he did where he would get up on stage. He would introduce the movie or in this case, the TV episodes Uh, they would project it. And then afterwards he would kind of go up and we'd have like a a talk about the movie. It's a, it's the best film school you could possibly imagine. It was, it was incredible. Like lots of exploitation, sexploitation, black exploitation, all the exploitations. Um, And he showed that and David Carradine showed up and I was, I met him outside the Alamo uh, and somebody, he was out there smoking, you know, smoking a uh, cigarette or something. And somebody asked him, was like, so why did you come out and, and do this? And he just looked him in the eye and says, says, I want, 
I want to be in a Tarantino movie, and the, I figured this would be the best way. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I could, you know, like I found oh out he was God. showing this, and apparently he found out, and it wasn't like Tarantino asked him to show up. It was like he found out, and he like got in touch with everybody, saying, "I will come out here to be in it," uh, because he want he wanted that Tarantino bump. Because at that point, and you know, still to this day, but especially no then, shit. He was really, really uh, uh, known for g- revitalizing careers. He'd done it with John Travolta, Robert Forrester, Pam Greer at this point. You know, right, that yeah, was right. his his thing. And so, like, he literally, in, with just no qualms, no shame or trying to be political about it, he just said to that person, and I was, like, right next to, to them when he said it. It was like, it's like, no, I want to be uh, in a Tarantino movie. I, want, I think this will be good for my career if I came out here. And That's he was right. And he fucking, he, dude, dude is right. Yeah. Now, I, I see. I had heard that uh, he got the part in Kill Bill because he had made a series of Ikea TikTok videos. And went there <laughs> he didn't even have an agent at the time, yeah. is what yeah. I heard. He just had a Gmail, yeah. And we, and we are not, we are only scratching the surface here of this cast. Oh, you know, yeah. we, we mentioned, uh, you know, the, uh, the Zappas that are in this. Alexis mm-hmm. Arquette is in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carradine Williamson, Kane Hodder, who played uh-huh. Jason across many films in the Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> um, he shows up as a bartender in a scene where I don't know if y'all I, I don't know how long it's been since y'all watched this. I watched this maybe a week or two ago, but literally um, yesterday. So, yeah, oh, okay. so so in that scene where Kane Hard- Hodder is bartending, there's like an old guy at the bar who was how do I explain this? He was being shot in such a way that I felt like I was supposed to recognize who this guy was. Mm. You know how like, right. You know, when there's like some sort of stunt casting going on and you like, you can tell when they're shooting to maximize that. Was that anybody? I couldn't figure out who the fuck that was. No, if it was, I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him. I thought you were going to say what I noticed was that he was talking at like a volume that made it seem like he was sitting right next to the people. And then they cut to a wide and he is literally on the other side of the room, like behind the pool table, have it carrying on a conversation with the people at the bar, like at the front door. I laughed yeah. out loud when that reveal happened. I was like, is he telepathically communicating with them? What the fuck is happening? Did, did you notice that uh, Kane Hodder was also the, the stunt, uh, dude on the movie he was the stunt coordinator no they had stunts so, in this movie yeah well there's that whole sequence at the end where the fucking well one ava mendez you know leaps into fire you know obviously for real fire and definitely not cg um <laughs> so there's that but there's that in that silo like the firemen show up and then they just all get like doused with flames somehow oh yeah as well yes. so so i think those those were the stunts in question yeah, I was I was being sarcastic. I mean, I knew there were there were. I can list off some more thing. stunts if you want me to. No, that's uh, that's enough stunts. <laughs> um, if I can totally the, ruin at, your joke. Yeah. At the at the mention of Eva Mendez, though, like um, this is another one uh, to re- kind of repeat myself from a moment ago. Uh, do we think Ryan Gosling has seen this movie? Because isn't he so. married to Eva Mendez? Yeah, yeah. Are they yeah. been together for some time? I hope this is um, the only movie of hers he's seen. That's what I thought. <laughs> Scott, like if you if you had been in like let's say your first movie, and I, I believe this was her first movie, was something along the line lines of Children of the Corn. And then many years later you ended up like dating somebody, living with them, getting to know one another, and you're both actors. Wouldn't you be like because I would be like, you've got to see my first movie. Like, you've got to see this horrendous <laughs> piece of shit that I was in. Like, that would be a fun thing to do as a couple, like an acting couple. Like, or am I crazy? Would you try to hide it from your partner? Now, see, I think after I got to the point where where she's at, like after being in some very successful stuff, I, I would have more of a sense of humor with it. But if it was sure. like the day after, I'd go, well, that's the only <laughs> movie I'm ever going to be in because it was such it was such a, an insane uh amalgamation of all this shit and so i would be like let's just lock it away please don't let anyone ever see that but now i i think that every party she should just have it playing in the background and not say mm. anything about it well i do have kind of a, a twist ending to this this line mm. of questioning in that i read online so you know it's real mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that um 
Eva Mendes was so embarrassed by her own performance in this movie that she went from doing this to taking acting classes. Oh, really? Yes, because she was so mortified by the screening she attended and Mm. seeing herself on screen was just like, I've got to do something about this. And so she went and took acting classes and she's, as far as I can tell, she seems like a, a, a great actress. Now. Yeah. She's, you know, she's really good. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's great in training day. She's great in, um, uh, port of call. The, the, whatever that, uh, oh, yeah. New Orleans, yeah. a bad, bad lieutenant. lieutenant. Port of call, New Orleans. Yeah. I forgot. She was no, she's really funny. in uh, the other guys too, right? Oh, and the other guys. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, it, I don't think it was all her fault though. Like her character, it, it felt oh, like so every single scene, these characters had completely new relationships to each other. <laughs> right. Yes. There's a scene. Okay. There's a scene where like they get to whatever house they're staying in and they uh-huh. like crack open some beers and get to talking. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. And it's here that. And I, and maybe this was because I was, I was so stupidly uh, stoned at the time I was watching this. <laughs> Although I was watching it with someone who was not, stoned and they were as equally confused as I was but like you know they're they're going to a funeral but it seemed like I lost track of who they were talking about in a scene Mm. and couldn't tell if they were talking about the dead friend or the brother and Mm. what the relationships of all these characters were in relation to whoever they were talking about that I couldn't figure out it was like I sat there and watched this scene, just like my mind exploding, trying to <laughs> trying to understand what was happening. And then You're at the, the end of the it, Dr. I turned to Brule. I turned to yeah. my buddy and was like, wait, who 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 is who in <laughs> here? Like, who is who and what are they doing for each other? And he was like, I don't fucking know either. And we rewound it and watched it again, like two more times before, like, we, we kind of pieced together what it was. But hmm. Do y'all know what scene I'm talking about? Yeah, and th- were this you is confused? Where, this is where the ostensible lead, like the the final girl of the movie, reveals that their friend and her ex boyfriend or whatever, uh, Ava Mendes' ex boyfriend, like actually committed suicide and didn't accidentally die, and that she hid right. the suicide note or something. Oh my god, that's right. That was yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, like, but oh. also, like, how did he die that she was able to cover that up? exactly because she says like she oh my god i'm so glad we're talking about she's committed a very (laughs) serious crime like she's like lying to the police about how she told the friends it was a bungee jumping accident like what what suicide did you pull off that might (laughs) might reasonably be passed off as a bungee jumping accident like if you threw yourself off a bridge you don't tie a rope to yourself and throw yourself off a fucking bridge a bungee jumping thing is like a very specific activity which usually has like people on site who are guiding you through the process and blah blah blah, blah. yeah that's like, not a solo adventure she's yes, not she should have said, soloing she should have been like i wrote a note and or i stole the note and also i bought a bungee jump equipment and i threw it on top of him and i paid actors <laughs> to pretend like they were running a class like it had to be more involved than what she just said <laughs> <laughs> the strangest goddamn thing maybe that all that's there to like really confuse Ava Mendez's character to the point to where she would be the one that would be oh come on like, dude to buy the no 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 but the the point being like this is the, the no this the, this is the emotional it's written shitty on in, intentionally no well I, didn't I think can, about I'm, it, I'm, I'm that's trying, like I'm, her- that's the only logical decision for her is to join a cult because she has no idea who her friends are. She's like, well, I'm, what I'm, the fuck? I'm trying to think of like what the logic would be on the writing and that she has to have some sort of emotional uh, hit that might make her susceptible to being the one that goes, you know what? I want to join these corn kids in, in this cult. You know, there's there's got to be a reason for her to, you know, ostensibly uh, just this random you know i guess they're all college kids but she's also not 18 yet and so a freshman a early freshman i don't i don't fucking know yeah. like why these otherwise grown-up people who are having grown-up adult live uh stuff uh would you know fall prey to this this cult you know and, and buy in hook line and sinker yeah and also it really only takes evan mendez the one scene with the like pretty farm boy sort of chatting her up and being like saying something like just vaguely sort of comforting to her. Right. And you can, and you can see like on her face, it's like, 
yeah, yeah. Like this is, I want to get involved with this. And you're like, wait, what? Right. Like that was even so during that scene, I was like, is she, is she intrigued by this? Like, is she about to fucking join the cult? And sure enough, like 20 minutes later, she's like, yeah, I'll fucking, I'll burn myself. Why not? Fuck it. Uh-huh. I, and I just wasn't, and again, it was like an age thing where I was just like, is that guy she's falling in love with supposed to be playing like a 12 year old kid or like who, what, what? You know, I didn't understand no. that at all. He had to be um, at best. He's seventeen, yeah. right? You know, because they all get ki- they all fucking throw themselves in the in the silo bonfire when they're when they're eighteen, right? Yeah, right, right. That yeah, no, dude, was- that that dude was like twenty six or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not to go on. back, not to go back to the beginning, but do you remember? Just to keep talking about like these weird relationships mm-hmm. in the first scene where we're introduced, like she's like holding the ashes in the back seat of the car, <laughs> and, and uh-huh. someone is like. It, one of the guys is like roughhousing or something, and she's like, "Careful!" And the guy says something like, "Oh yeah, I forgot you were his wife." And and she says, "Well, no, we just talked about getting married." But it's like, how insensitive <laughs> are these motherfuckers? Right. And also, like, how would you forget? Oh, that's right, you weren't married. Uh, we're we're <laughs> very close friends. I would have attended the wedding if that had occurred, but no, I. You're right. You just talked about it. You know, I, I misremembered. This this script feels like it was written by an alien intelligence that <laughs> you know had a had a had a passing familiarity with humanity's customs. Right. And, but yeah, an alien would be like, oh yes, he has to remember that he shouldn't make fun of uh, her dead boyfriend. That something <laughs> yeah. your friend has to remember. Part of that line of thinking goes to the whole David Carradine cult leader character too, where the whole idea of corn children is that they kill all the adults right and yet they are led by this grown-ass man who i guess is a dead dude that maybe is a vessel for he who walks behind the rose or something when his head cracks open where it's like they didn't think about it it's just like just on the surface you have all these corn boys who are like essentially kneeling at the foot of like an old man, right? It's like this. This goes against everything that corn boys stand for. Like, and and when they are called on it, they're like, "Well, what about Luke? Why didn't he? Why didn't he jump in the fucking silo?" And they're like, "He's like, well, he's different." And and that's it. And like, it it would be one thing if his head split open and then like the monster came out and that was the threat for the rest of the movie or something. It doesn't. His head splits open whatever jumps out of his head punches through Fred Williamson's face and uh, they both die. And then that's it. And then it just goes back to the, to the, you know, the, the kids trying to kill the, the college cast mm-hmm. and then the silo ex- exploding or not exploding. So, so that's not something from a previous children of the corn, whatever no. was inside him. No, no. And you, oh, you mentioned right. earlier, the head splits open on like a little baby fist pops out, but you left out a key part, which is then it like releases like a burst of what appears to be like psychic energy or something uh-huh. that, that looks and sounds a lot like a shotgun going off. <laughs> like it's the yeah. it's so fucking bizarre. Yeah. Um, and yeah, none of this is none of this is like of a piece with what has come before in these movies. That's hilarious. It's, yeah, I just and, assumed that little baby fist thing was I don't know in, inside someone in every movie or something. No, that would be, no. I mean, fuck, they should add it into more, more of them. I, I certainly enjoyed it when it happened. It brought me joy. Um, <laughs> Even non-children of the corn movies like it. <laughs> yeah. Babylon could have used, it could have, could have really used a baby fist coming out of a split head. One thing that my buddy and I discovered after watching this is that the writer director, Ethan Wiley, um, has a storied history in Hollywood. Uh, he was a special effects artist and, and puppeteer on Return of the Jedi, oh, Gremlins, right. uh, Romancing the Stone. He uh, he wrote the screenplay for House, if you remember that movie, mm. and also wrote and directed uh, House 2, which is a movie I saw like all the fucking time on HBO when I was a kid. It, it seemed to be on like every 15. Minutes. I have a I have a big soft spot in my heart for House 2. I know it's not a good movie, but it's one I enjoy a lot. Man, I would have told you the same thing, but then the very next day, we pulled up House and House 2 and watched them, and uh, I am here to tell you, House 2 does not hold up very well. And <laughs> I, I will let it live in my memory. When I was a kid. Yeah, do not revisit. But he also, uh, this guy also uh, wrote the script for one of my favorite 
uh, uh, bad movies of all time. A sterling example of what I, I, I like to call ill-advised cinema. And here we have a connection to Cocaine Bear because mm. this guy wrote a movie called Bear, which is about uh, four assholes who get lost like somewhere in the woods in their car and are attacked by a bear. And the whole fucking movie is just this bear fucking these people up in their car or as they're trying to get out of it. It is oh, wow. absolutely ridiculous, that movie. Um, so after you've seen uh, Cocaine Bear, if you haven't already, definitely go seek out Children of the Corn 5, Fields of Terror director Ethan Wiley's Bear, <laughs> uh, which he did not direct. As far- Wait, did he direct it? Don't think so. I l- just no, looked it up. John Rebel writer. directed that, but he uh, he co-wrote this the uh, the screenplay. Oh, I'll be watching yeah. that. I will be watching that immediately. Oh, definitely. You you will have a lot of fun with that. In fact, we I just rewatched it like a few months ago, and I had no idea this was the uh, the same guy. But mm. what a you know what a journey. You know uh-huh. we have we have Scott's journey from doing TikTok videos. So starring in Cocaine Bear. And we have Ethan Wiley's journey from working on Return of the Jedi to directing Children of the Corn 5 Fields of Terror. You know, these are incredible, very bittersweet Hollywood stories. I and we, we both peaked with those projects. <laughs> <laughs> if you star in the new Children of the Corn, you got to let us know. You know, if you... I will. I yeah. I will only read for the part that has a baby fist inside of its head. That, that's my like <laughs> concern for my character. I'm like, am or, I the baby fist person? Or if they ca- you get to be cast as the the inexplicably uh, not 17 year old 17 year old in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. You can keep your mustache too, by the way. So, oh yeah. So, but, uh, but, I, I guess my my final question for you here um, is: Did you enjoy this movie? And sub question uh did it inspire you to maybe watch more children of the corn movies 100 percent, yes i enjoyed it it was a fucking blast <laughs> to watch mm-hmm. and i gotta say i i'm not, i'm not gonna watch any children of the corn movies i'm just gonna watch this one five more times and pretend <laughs> this is all that there is because i it can't it cannot be topped I think I might might revisit the first one, but uh, mm. I, I gotta say I gotta give props to the the one the guy who played the brother who was in right. the call. Yes, that guy was acting his ass off. Did you? I mean, did you feel the I, same way? I felt like he yeah, was the that. only yeah. one giving um, like a true like Oscar worthy performance. It was incredible. <laughs> I thought Oscar worthy. Don't remember him, but yeah. <laughs> His death scene—he was like giving real tears, like when his when he was like dying in front of his sister. It, right. I, I, I was like, this movie is—you are not being served well by this movie, but this guy is putting in work. I think it is worth noting that this character uh, is there, who is—he's the guy that wants out of the cult. He like disbelieves he's about to turn eighteen. He's about to jump in the silo. He says, "Fuck this, I'm out." And they go, "Okay, that's cool. You know, you're you're free to go." And then they decide later, like, "No, nah, I think we're gonna stab him because he he uh, he's trying to leave." Um, but he's the one that's like asking for help. He writes like a coded message in their their Bible book that he gives to the yes. to, to his sister. <laughs> yeah. You know, yes, the H-E-L-P. Where, <laughs> yeah, where he starts every line in a very long thing that he writes. You know, it spells out help H E L P when you look at the mm-hmm. the first letter in each line. Um, you're you're right. He does give it, but this character also is like, oh, and by the way, uh, I'm having a child with another one of these corn women and or corn girls. Um, and that's how I will live on is, you know, I will burn myself up in, in the silo. Uh, my ashes will be used to, to, you know, make the corn strong and and then my child will live on, you know, I'll live on through my child. Uh, and the movie ends with the sister who's like the only survivor, uh, of the main, uh, group that we follow, uh, essentially adopting her brother's baby from the corn oh girl. Oh my God. I forgot that's all right. about that. And so it's this weird postscript where she shows up and they're like, Oh, I I thought it was just a meeting the baby. And then essentially it's like her parents are making her give it up for adoption because she's too young to have it. And, and the movie ends with the freeze frame on the baby's face as the same flames that took over, uh, Mm -hmm. the main Malcolm in the middle, uh, corn boy, uh, uh, appear in the baby's eyes. And so the, the flame of the corn lives on through this child. 
Dumb. to be continued. I, to be continued. That, that is why there are, you know, roughly 48 more corn movies after yeah, this. Yeah, a lot so. of territory here needs exploring. Very pro-abortion it. this movie is, by the way. So. <laughs> well, uh, Scott, this is usually the portion on our show where we allow our guests to tell people uh, where they can find them and what you're working on next. And, of course, you've got Cocaine Bear in uh, in theaters now. Um, just uh, please initiate self-promo mode. Here we Self-promo mode. Here we go. Hmm. Uh, cocaine bear in theaters right now go see it it's an absolute blast um it's it's funny it's gory uh shortcomings randall parks movie that i'm in hopefully that will be that will find a platform somewhere beyond sundance uh very soon then people can check that out uh otherwise it's at scott cease s-e-i-s-s on uh instagram tiktok and twitter post all my videos there uh, and I'll be I'll be sharing this podcast episode there as well very very soon. Ooh. Um, oh, I thank you. And then the next next thing I'm doing, I'll just give a little tease. I am uh, I just sold a book. I'm going to be writing what? a book that no uh, shit. I, I think fans of my uh, customer service videos will be very uh, will be very pleased by. I think so. A little tease out there for that. Very exciting stuff. You got to drop in some corn references now in, in the oh, book. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It's- <laughs> I'm actually writing a novelization of Children of the Corn Five. <laughs> You're going to readapt it into an, uh, a, a short story to just bring it in full circle, right? That's right. Or as a stage play. I mean, you got to get that EGOT. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Tony yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, sir, thank you very much for being here today. This was this was a blast, and we're once again very very excited for your success, and hope that you uh, you see more of it, and uh, we hope you'll come back somewhere in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast talking with you guys. Would love to come back. Graveyard shift. Graveyard shift next time. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. Let's pencil it in. Done deal. Love it. Many thanks to Scott Cease for joining us. Uh, it, it's so weird like, listening back to that uh, that recording like because I've seen that dude pop up so much on my social media. I keep waiting for that dramatic music to, to kick in, you know, from his videos. Yeah. He'll, he'll go on like a little rant and I'm just like in my mind's eye picturing him like looking directly at me through the screen and the dramatic music pumping up in the background. And I'm just glad that I know how to say his name correctly now. Yeah. I've been calling him Scott Cease and or Scott Sice mm-hmm. in my head all this time. And it's, it's Scott Cease. Who it is. Thought? It is. And he made sure to to tell that. So I, I, that has to be a common thing. Cause I think right before we started recording, yeah. he's like, Oh, and by the way, this is how you pronounce my name. Go. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We were very happy to get Scott for the show and uh, are, are really happy with his success uh, in terms of cocaine bear. It came out uh, this past weekend, made a shit ton of money and um, yeah, he's well on his way. He's got an agent now, like he said. So yeah. you know, I bet we'll be seeing more of him and well, we uh, people that uh, follow us on Twitter may have noticed that <laughs> I accidentally announced the wrong episode uh, this <laughs> week on Monday. I announced next week's show. Uh, instead of this week's show, and it was an ex- um, exclusive advanced preview, I like to think of it. So yes, exactly. So we can go ahead and tell you what it is. Uh, next week, uh, we are talking to the directors of Sixty Five, the new Adam Driver sci-fi futuristic Adam Driver fighting dinosaurs with machine guns movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Beck and Brian Woods. They're also the screenwriters on uh, A Quiet Place, as well as the directors of Haunt. Um, they came on to talk to us about what else writing and mm-hmm. to that end, they chose on writing as their uh, as their topic. So we've only ever covered that once on the show before with Ryan Johnson back in our first year. Uh, but we were we were delighted to have a chance to uh, talk about that one again and uh, with another couple of screenwriters. It was a it was a good time. So look forward to that next Wednesday. Yeah, it's a really good episode. My my only bone to pick uh, is that this is now two weeks in a row where we've had guests named Scott and I have a co-host named Scott and it's getting really confusing on my end. All the Scots. <laughs> yeah. So so no more Scots or at least bring in some Eric's to balance it out. So we need an Eric Stoltz. Somebody get Eric Stoltz for us. I wonder what he's doing. He can't be that hard to get these days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we should also make mention, if you're listening to this and you like the show, uh, and you better because we put a lot of work into it and we think it's damn good, 
uh, why don't you head on over to our Patreon? I think that's a reasonable ask, and we make it worth your while. Patreon.com slash the Kingcast. Uh, every Friday, we have an exclusive bonus episode that's usually as long, sometimes longer than our main feed episodes. So uh, if you're only listening to the main feed, you are only getting half the show. If you want more, then make sure to head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash the Kingcast, and look forward to all the bonus episodes we give you every Friday. That's commentaries, that's in-depth niche breakdowns. We have, you know, uh, we have like Gerald's Game commentary with Mike Flanagan and Carlo Gugino on there, and they, that's never made the main feed. We got some really good shit. We make it worth your while, and when you sign up, you get access to everything we've done up to this point, plus all the new shit going forward. So, yes, go over there, sign up. We like being paid for the show. We need to be paid for the show, and uh, we're we're pretty proud of the uh, the work we put into the bonus episodes. These aren't little thirty minute jobs or little twenty minute interstitials. Uh, these are full fledged episodes of the show. Uh, they just live in a different place behind a paywall. Yes, sweet when you think about it. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really cool deal for us. Cool. So make sure you tune in next week in the main feed for our episode on on writing with Beckenwoods and. Uh, this Friday on the Patreon for a brand new bonus episode. Fancy. Got a fun one for you. Hell yeah. So, all right. See y'all soon. Adios, folks. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. <laughs> <laughs>